Hey everybody, welcome to the Legacy Podcast. My name is Bill Dupenthaler. And I'm Mike Conan, and this is a podcast for disciples who want to make disciples. Well, welcome back to the podcast. Bill is gone, and it's just me, Mike, here today, but I have a special guest with us, and that's my friend, Matt Miller. And Matt and I have known each other for a long time. I, in fact, I was trying to remember how long it was. It's It's been uh, almost 25 years, Matt, that we've known each other. It's pretty crazy. I know. It's been, it's uh, been and a Matt long time. And Matt and I met each <laughs> We met each other in Orlando, Florida at First Prez Orlando, and Matt was a follower of Jesus. I was a follower of Jesus, so we naturally kind of uh, hung out together. And uh, at the same time, I had started at Princeton and went down to RTS Orlando, and and Matt ended up going to RTS Orlando and finishing up at Princeton. So we've kind of studied some of the same people at the same places and, That's right. and been all over. Matt's been a pastor for 20 years almost. Almost, and, yeah. Uh, head pastor right now at Woodland Presbyterian Church in Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis. And I cannot pronounce the Tennessee properly. I apologize <laughs> for that, but uh, we'll just have to get by it. And uh, anyway, Matt is also uh, not only a good friend, but also somebody who really helped me uh, when I was doing my research on how to change the world and especially how to revive the church and how to see churches and especially men come back to church. Uh, Matt steered me towards a lot of great stuff, and we had some fruitful discussions about discipleship because he was three or four years ahead of me, frankly, in all of his thinking. And uh, he's really influenced my thinking in disciple making, and I wanted to have him on the podcast because as we, as Legacy, think about our whole ministry is trying to teach people to make disciples, to change the world. And so, um, Matt, no no pressure, but we're kind of expecting you to give us a message today that will change the world. And so I have it. I've got the message deliver. for you right now today. <laughs> 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 well, why don't you... Why don't you give us a little bit of a brief introduction about who you are and your family and stuff, and then we can dig into some of this good sure, stuff. Sure, yeah. Um, well, it's encouraging to be on the on the show and uh, to be able to just talk about these things because they're it's so exciting to see what God does in a person's life when they come to meet Jesus and they begin to follow Him. And and Mike, you've been such a huge yeah. encouragement to me because whether you realize it or not, when we first met, I was just barely a brand new Christian. I didn't know anything. And so I was really fired up about the Lord, but you would spend time with me and we yeah. go shoot pool and then talk about life and faith. And you were the first person that discipled me. And even though you didn't say, I want to enter into a discipling relationship with you, that's what you did just by spending time, you know? <laughs> and so that's I, I, when I think about when I've been discipled, it's you're the first one. So thanks for that. And um, yeah, so I've been a pastor here in Memphis for 12 years in ministry for r- roughly 20. And I'm, I'm married to Brandy, uh, who has a ministry called Redeeming Beauty, where she talks to young women about the issues of uh, identity and how uh, the culture t- speaks about beauty, uh, which is awesome. And then I have it, she has a blog too, right? Yeah, it's, a great it's uh, blog. actually brandymiller.io, uh, and she talks about a lot of stuff. So um, she's great. She's a lot smarter than me. And then I have uh, four children, uh, two daughters and two sons uh, in 10th, 8th, 4th, and 2nd grade. So we're uh, doing a lot of stuff active in our, in our church, in our city. Uh, playing sports and, and doing well, things. four children really is the, the that's whole the key. magic number. I mean, seriously, we all know that's that right. well, four is the magic well, number. Well, yeah, hot dogs come in packs of eight, so 
<laughs> it's really the key. <laughs> yeah. So no, but it's uh, but yeah, discipleship is the thing that I I think is um, when I think about my ministry, what I want to do is to glorify God by making disciples who make disciples, um, because that's what you know changed my life. So that's one of the things I really focus on. Well. You know, it's it's actually kind of interesting because I know you've always had a little bit of a passion for discipleship, but there also kind of was a transition in your pastoring, yes. right? Where you you switched from like the, hey, let's do the consumer church to let's do this discipleship church. Kind of walk us through a couple minutes of what that journey was like for you and what kind of, what how did that happen and what did it look like? What, what changed in you? What changed in your church? That type of stuff. Yeah, well, before I came to the church where I am now, I was in a church in near St. Petersburg, Florida, and I was the adult education and small groups uh, pastor and in addition to just doing whatever whatever was needed around. And so I was really w- wanting to foster uh, community within that congregation through small groups, and we did a lot of small group training and development. And I realized that part of helping people learn how to become a good small group leader is really just getting to know them and investing in them. And that was, that was discipleship uh, and training and empower them to lead a small group. And when I came to the church where I am now, there weren't that many small groups that were going on. And one of the ones that I, that mm. I went to the men's group, I, we decided to, to study a, a book of the Bible and we, we got a study guide and we were going through this, this book. And it was funny because I noticed that uh, you know, there was about 10 to 12 guys that would come um, to the study. And it was one of those booklets that had like a hard side binding, not one that was stapled in the middle, but a kind of a hard side. So when you first opened it, you had to kind of press the pages down to crease it. Otherwise, it would just fold back open. And so I realized that after the second and third, and maybe even fourth week, some of the guys who were in the group kept creasing their pages in their book, which indicated to me that they had not opened that book since the first meeting or even when we, since we were being together. So, and I realized that was just one indication that like, this is only happening this one hour, right? Because even in a group of 10 or 12, you can really yeah. hide. You, you don't have to um, speak up. And so I, one of the, that's when I realized, I thought, well, discipleship, the small group ministry is wonderful. I think we need that size of community to connect uh, for lots of different reasons. But I thought if we make these groups smaller, then it's it's impossible to hide, which makes it scary and that's challenging. But you know, when we're really vulnerable and you get to know people and you're being held yeah. accountable to what you're learning, like are you actually obeying the things that God is telling you to do? And you have people that are walking with you and they're able to share, they're on the journey together, that's when people really start to grow. And so my wife and I, who had been a part of a discipleship ministry when she was in college, began to invest. I got a group of three guys and she got a group of three women and we just started going through a discipleship hmm. resource and it began to spread uh, all throughout our church. It was really pretty cool. Uh, we had multiple generations going. Uh, it's obviously, it's wow. really, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's also really challenging um, because you know not all those groups multiplied. Not everyone who went through it led another group. Uh, in fact, there were people that would go through a group and leave the church. Uh, one guy said, we just want to go to a church where we don't have to do anything. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's I'm yeah. sad. I'm sad to hear that. Yeah. You know, Hey, you can still do nothing here if you want to, but it was just harder because we're wanting people to grow and learn and obey Jesus' commands. And so when you're more and more in that kind of environment, you're, you're, some people don't want to do that. 
And well, that's discipleship in the Bible. Right? People, some people followed Jesus, and some people said, you know, I don't want to do this. So that's kind of what happened. Wow, that that is pretty interesting. Uh, the uh, maybe that's an easy question. Then follow up with that. Like, uh, obviously, the goal of disciple making is to to build into others and and uh, and to have them have this relationship with the Lord. One of the words that stood out that you were said in the beginning that really hit home with me is the word hiding. Mm-hmm. Do you, is that what you think that is happening in the church now, that there's a lot of people hiding in the church? Well, you know, I, I read an article in a magazine. It's been a few years ago. It's Mission Frontiers magazine. is an editorial. And it was asking the question, why is it challenging for people to go from the United States and catalyze disciple-making movements in other countries? And the edition of that magazine was just exploring that. People want to go on mission. We know that's a great call for, for some. We're all called to live on mission, but some want to go to places where there are, are no Christians. And so, but they found that it's been difficult. And part of the, the conclusions that this, this editor was, was drawing was he said, you know, our model for church is inviting people to come to a worship service where they listen to a sermon that's about 30 minutes long. And then the goal is for them to come back to that service again the next week. But in between, there is no accountability. There's no homework. There's no quiz. There's no test. There's no determination as to whether yeah. or not the person was even paying attention, much less actually obeying the commands that were presented from the Word of God. And so in that editorial, he said, it, if you're in a college environment and you go to class, but you're not accountable to do any assignments and to demonstrate mastery of yeah. the material, he asked, well, what, what are you doing? What do you, what credit do you get? Well, you don't get any credit. You're, you're auditing your in, in college, if that's what you're doing. And he's, he said, yeah, I think many Christians in the West today are auditing their faith. And so when you, when you talk wow. about, you know, hiding, it's, if I just show up to church on Sunday and I listen and I serve on a committee or I engage in some way, the, the, the pastor or the teacher or the elders, they don't have any idea whether or not I'm actually appropriating what I'm learning. And yeah, you know, so it's sometimes it's better to hide because we don't want people to know about that. Now, that's why the gospel is so important in our communities to recognize and realize that we're all broken and sinful and that we need to be part of a community no matter where we are and that you can be loved and cared for in a community that's gospel-centered. But it's like I say to my church, I say, you know, come as you are but don't leave the way you came. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. It's kind of like you're describing them hiding in plain sight. Yeah, they're, they're sitting you right know, it's, there. It's, they're sitting there every Sunday. And, you know, we have a process of going through determining who should serve as an elder or a deacon. And one of the questions that I ask at the beginning is, has anyone, this is a question you have to ask when you before you put a person to serve in one of these offices, have you had a conversation with them that includes their prayer life, their study of scripture, their relationship with Jesus? Do they talk about what God is doing in their life? If not, we need to find out if that's a part of their life, because we certainly don't want to put them forward to be a leader in the church if they don't just talk about their life and faith along the way. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think about it, it kind of, it almost makes it easier to hide if you're in church or if you're in a Bible study or anything, because you can check off the boxes. And so 
you know, you, you can be far from the Lord. And that's why, you know, and you and I see this all the time too. Like I've had so many guys who I've thought were really walking with the Lord and then find out later they're actually not, not even right. close. Right. And it's, that's, that's devastating. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's the hard part. The, uh, I like the idea of smaller groups too. What have you found to be kind of the sweet spot for, for a, a group? What do you call them? Do you call them discipleship groups? Do you call them huddles? Do you call, what do you call them? Well, we've, and then what size do you We've called for? them uh, D groups or discipleship groups. And, you know, some folks love the one-on-one model and that has value. The, the reason that we've gone to a, like a, a triad or a quad, which is basically one leader with, uh, three or, or four um, uh, participants is one, one of the things I found is that when, if you do discipleship one-on-one, which there's a great place for that, there's a tendency for, you know, you think about um, Paul and Timothy. There's a tendency in my experience for the Timothy to never think that they can be like Paul. Like, oh, he's too far along. Mm. He, he, he's so far advanced. I'll never be like him. And, and that, that's not true. We know, but it, that, sentiment can be there. And that's not to say that one-on-one is, is bad. It's just that that's an aspect of it. I like the, the smaller group, two, three, four, uh, excuse me, three, four, five people, because then, especially if the disciple leader is initiating it with a sense that we're all going to be on this journey together. I'm the facilitator of the group. Uh, and certainly a, a discipleship leader has to be leading, but to try to encourage people to walk along and to say, we're all on this journey together and I'm going to learn as much from you as you, as you learn from me, because we're going to be learning from the word together and it's going to shape and form us. And I found that when people start making disciples, that's when they really begin to grow. So that's been a good number uh, for us because you can't hide, but it's not so intense as the one-on-one. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. There's something to that too, that whole thing. If you teach something, it really forces you to really wrestle with it and live it too. You know, it's, there is something to that. That makes uh, a lot of sense to me, you know, and as you're, you're sitting there and you're, as you're talking about discipleship and you're talking about reaching these folks. And by the way, thanks for joining us again in Memphis and uh, thankful for technology that allows us to do this. And, uh, but one of the things I'm thinking about is, boy, what was it like in your church? Like, I happen to know it was not easy to make this change. And, and it, you're basically telling people, hey, we're going to shift gears here. And rather than me create this consumer-oriented environment where, where our whole design is to make you happy in the pews so that you'll come back again, instead, we're going to shift gears and we're going to really try to get you out of hiding and into this spot. I can imagine there was probably a lot of... Uh, of um, response to that. Uh, and so walk us through that a little bit. Like, how was that? Was that painful for you as a pastor? I'm sure it was yeah, challenging. Yeah, super hard. I remember I heard one lady said, if I hear the word discipleship one more time, I'm going to throw up. Um, oh, nice. I had an elder say in a session meeting, what if we don't want to be a disciple? And so part of me, I had to realize is that the understanding, okay, what do we mean when we say discipleship? What does that look like? Um, I think for I, oh, yeah, I think yeah. for the woman, it was a sense that there are these groups going on, and I haven't been invited into one, and I feel left out of it, and so there's a, like a frustration mm. of what's going on because, you know, there's there's probably more than two, but two different ways to implement discipleship in your church is to say, you know, hey everybody, we're going to start being becoming a discipleship church, and so we're going to just do it, and I had people, I that was not my approach. Uh, my approach was to say I'm going to invest in three guys. 
and I'm going to ask them to invest in three yeah. guys. Because I felt like that's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't say to the masses, hey, we're all going to be disciples. He uh, prayed and sought the wisdom of the Lord, and then he chose 12 men. And he, I would imagine when he chose one of those men, there was a group of other men around him going, why didn't he choose me? But he didn't. He prayed and chose these people. Those are the ones he let, he felt led to do. And that was the reason why I could say, I just feel like these are the people that I should be investing in. Everybody knows the command of Jesus at the end of the of Gospel of Matthew, make disciples. You could be doing this too. Um, but so I just chose to do it that way so that it would filter in and become part of who we were. The issue, though, you do face is then when people begin to realize, hey, there are these groups going on. There's a critical mass here. Um, you know, I haven't been included yet. And what I found, though, is that yeah. when those people were eventually asked, they would usually say no. Um, there wasn't a sense of, hey, yeah. I've learned about discipleship. I really want to be included in that. How do I get involved? It was, well, these are cliques, and, or these are groups that I'm not included in. And like, they never were intended to be that way, but they were intended to spread so that everybody could be part of it. And you know, you know, Jesus thought small by investing in 12 men so that the whole world could be reached. Yeah. But that was part yeah. of the challenge. If you working think of it, I mean, yeah. And then I think, I think the elder that said, what if we well, don't want to be yeah. a disciple, he said that because he was anxious about leading someone else as a disciple. He wasn't equipped to do that. And part of it was when you come into a, a community or when you're pastoring a church that has not had discipleship as part of its ethos, it is a challenge because you're going from saying, hey, you come here for whatever you want. We're going to serve you. You want youth ministry. You want men's ministry. You like this kind of music. You like that kind yeah, of buffet. music. You know, we're going to yeah. we're going to do everything. What, what do you want in the buffet? Exactly. Let's put it out there. Yeah. When you start to say, no, look, Jesus calls us to to learn and to grow and to grow in our faith and actually to share that. That's a challenging thing. So what I found was getting close to people and saying, hey, look, this is the call that God gives to every believer. And you know what? I'm going to help you. And there are others that can help you learn how to do this and not just say, hey, just go call your friend up and meet with him for like three hours a week and study the Bible with him. That's the that's the whole reason why we started small. Let me show you how this works uh, as I've learned how to do it. We're going to learn together, but let me show you how to do it so that way you can do it. And but it was but it's also yeah. not easy because then you're getting into the real life of and the real mess of people's lives and learning how to love them and to care for them and you're exposing your own sin and your own brokenness and you're sharing being vulnerable uh, and that's that's yeah. a that's a challenging thing to do because some people want just like a theological instructor or a chaplain for a pastor and that's not really what ministry yeah. is about to me I mean, I want to give my life away and invite people into it and help them to see that I'm just a regular guy with sin sin and brokenness but that I'm on the way with Jesus. So let's go do it together. But that's a... You don't fly to church every week? <laughs> no. Or walk on water across no, the lake there to no. get there? I, I'm the chief sinner in the congregation, so... All right. That, that seems like there's some wisdom <laughs> in that. I know you well enough to know that's true. <laughs> you know, I like the way you did that, though, because it strikes me, what, at the core of it is, is honestly raising up leaders, mm -hmm. Because uh, that's what that's what you're you're trying to do is you're trying to, hey, I got to train the leaders first, and then they can train more leaders, and and I think that ties into really well with what we're trying to do, and and maybe this will be the advice that you would give us because our whole thing is, we we have this thing we call them legacy leaders where we're we're trying to do exactly what you did in the sense of we want to see people see themselves as leaders, mm -hmm. 
and see themselves as people who could do this. And I think that's one of the tricky parts about the church structure and tricky parts about other things is that I think today people don't see themselves as leaders. Uh, People see themselves as followers. And what are some of the things that you have tried with your leaders to help, you know, give them the vision, encouragement, whatever it is to kind of get them going in disciple making? Because it's hard, obviously. And like, have you found some things that have really been helpful to use your deal with lay people, especially like how, how, what's worked for you for encouraging leaders? Yeah. Well, one of the things that I, I don't, I never use the word lay leaders or laity because I, I think that it, you know, we had a reformation to, uh, to try to tear those walls down. And I think if we're not careful, those, those borders between the people who are, you know, quote, professional ministers, even though that's not a term that I really like, there's this like, oh, we, you know, I remember when I first went to seminary, I went home for Thanksgiving and it was, well, you went to seminary, so you do the prayer now. As though a guy who's taken yeah. three classes knows anything about how to connect or commune with God in a formal way. But that, that reality is there for us. So I think part of it is to realize that like every, like when Jesus gave the Great Commission, he was giving it to every follower of Jesus that, that listened at the time. And it's also for us. So it's not like, well, this is for a special class of people. It's for, it's for Everyone, every follower of Jesus is called to do that. And I think sometimes when we, when you go to a church where there's a building and there's a history and there's a budget and there's professionally trained people, you, know, you think about like, what are the big mega churches in your town? And you, you imagine a, a Sunday school class of high school students. And if you ask them, hey, do you think you could plant a church? They'd be like, no way, because look at this place. But if you got together with those same students yeah. in your living room and you said, hey, we are the church right now do you think you could plant a church? They'd probably go, yeah, I think we could do this. We could invite our friends and get together. Now I know there's more to it than that, but so it's, it's helping people to realize that like, this is something that God empowers and equips every person to do. And part of it is simply obeying Jesus command to make disciples and being willing to, to one of the things I've learned is to fail forward, which means just, Hmm. just start doing it. You know, like Jesus didn't, just, yeah. he did, if you have a swimming class, you don't go into a, um, a classroom with a chalkboard and say, okay, hold your breath when you go under this line. You get in the pool and you start splashing around and you go, this is how you do it. Here, well, you try it. You're actually doing it as you're learning it. And I think discipleship for us in the Western church has become something that we learn about, but it's not something that we do because we don't, we're like, oh, what if I mess it up? And instead of saying, well, yeah. let's just start meeting with people, start studying, opening God's word. Let's listen to what God's word has to say and then ask, what does God's word have for me to do in light of what he's done for me on the cross? And then just in helping people to realize you can do this. This is for anyone and everyone. Try to minimize those distinctions yeah. between like pastors and, and, and all. Yeah. The rest of us. And as you're, as you're talking there, I'm thinking about that and, and, Especially the the whole idea of of this separation between leaders and and the people, and there there definitely is that whole in in the church that we're attending now. It's a great church. They even have disciple making as one of their things. But at the same time, there's a clear differentiation. You know, they have the stage where there's people up on the stage. Um, but to their credit, these guys have small groups going everywhere. They just had 500 people join a small group, so. There, there is a way to do it, but it is a, it's fascinating, the whole interplay between that 
seeing, having people see themselves as, as actual people who can disciple make. And, and maybe that kind of just, you know, runs into the next question is like, do you, do you have some insight into why you think people think it's so hard? And I'm, I mean, if people, as I talk to people, all of them, almost all of them who are followers of Jesus say, you know what? I think I'm supposed to be making disciples. I, I know I am, but honestly, I don't. And so why is that? Why is there that disconnect? You know, what's so hard about it? Like in your mind, what is, you know, what's that? Well, I, I, one of the things about it, and this has just been my own experience because of the, the culture that I'm a part of, is that especially if you have a, a community where many of the people are have some degree of education, they're, some, they're a professional in some way, you know, if they're a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or a, an executive or a salesperson or whatever, they've got some training and there's a sense of competency that they have about the job that they do. And when you say to these people who think you need to be prepared and ready to do your job, hey, go make disciples. First of all, they don't really know what you even mean. Second of all, they're scared to death to do it. Like that guy who was an elder. I just think he was like, I've never done this before. I, he, he's a yeah. really brilliant guy, but it was a struggle for him to think, well, I yeah. don't know how to do this. And so, you know, we, we think right. that it's, it's harder than it is. And we don't, we feel, we feel in, insecure about it. And, but we know there's a sense in which we should be doing it. And I think, I think honestly, pastors sometimes um, do themselves a disservice by making themselves seem like they're smarter than they are or more, you know, we don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to tell what? people, yeah, we're, you know, when we, if we act like our job, we're the only ones that can do our job, then everyone's going to just keep letting us do our job. But if we say, look, this is the call that everyone has been given, but let's just walk through and the scriptures and go, look at the people that were, that, that spread the gospel all over the whole Mediterranean. Like they weren't, some were apostles, but so many were not trained. They were just radically changed by God. And that's the other thing is that, that when you have an encounter with God, when you really know him and love him, then it's, it has to be part of what you want to do. And, and sometimes we have other things that, that distract us from it because they're more interesting to us. And we, if we feel anxious about, about uh, doing something, well, then we're not want to do it. So, and like, you know, I thought about this. If I walked into a neurophysics class, even if that's a class that you can walk into, I wouldn't feel awkward at all about saying, I don't know anything about this. But because we feel like we're supposed to know yeah. the Bible because we've been in church for X amount of years, we feel anxious about asking a question about what the Bible says because we feel like we're supposed to know it instead of just walking in and saying, hey, I'm in kindergarten when it yeah, comes to the Bible. Let, let me just feel, feel the freedom. And so part of it is the church creating a non-judgmental space for people to ask those questions and to journey so the lights can come, come on. But then it's also saying, I, I'm going to do this because it's the most worthwhile endeavor that I, I can be a part of. And also, discipleship doesn't have to be a separate thing that I do with my life. It's, it's part of what I do. So anytime I'm doing anything, I can invite someone to come along with me. Like if I'm running errands at, at, over the weekend, I can invite someone, to, hey, just come yeah. with me. And they see how I relate to the, the person at the counter. Or if they're over at my house, if they're with me, then they see how I interact with my wife and with my children. Like it's not necessarily always let's sit down on Thursday mornings from 8 to 10 and study the Bible. That's an important part, the the organized part. But it's also that organic part of just yeah. like living life together and saying, let's. I'm, this is me following Jesus. You you do it this way. And also learn from me about what not to do. Well, Matt, 
so appreciate you being here. I want to close with something, you know, that's maybe the, the more positive side. Because sure. I, I, and uh, we talked about the challenges, but you've obviously seen people who've caught this vision and who've led a group. And there has to be, like you said, that there's nothing more exciting than leading somebody to Jesus. Have you seen that in people when they've taken on a group? And walk us through some of the positive things. Like, you know, how will this impact you if you're a regular Christian and you decide, you know what, I'm going to become a disciple maker how will it change your life in a good way? And we only have a couple minutes left, so you have to be brief yeah, sure. on this one. Well, it, it's transformative because you really, like I said, you learn more by leading someone else. And, you know, obviously following Jesus is not just about learning information about him because he didn't say, help everybody learn what I commanded. He said, help everyone obey what I commanded. But when you take that step to, to say, I'm going to obey Jesus' command to make disciples, then you're going to learn more about yourself. You're going to learn more about your faith. You're going to learn more about how the world works. You're going to learn how to build up and support and encourage the people who serve in your church on the staff of your church because you're going to see things from in a different light. And it's just going to massively transform your understanding of who God is. And and that's a positive thing. That, But it's also a, it's a humbling thing. Yeah. It's a, it's a challenging thing. But you know what? The gospel is true. Jesus loves us just as we are, but he wants us to, to understand more of who he is and what, how his kingdom works. And this is the greatest thing that you could be part of. What I always encourage people to say, make discipleship your hobby. Make it what you do for fun. Because then people really take hold of, the, of what it means to be part of the kingdom. Mm, I love that. That's great. Make it your hobby. Yeah. <laughs> make it fun. I like that. Hey, Matt, thanks so much for being with us today. This is really inspiring and uh, really appreciate you and appreciate our friendship and appreciate also just the way that you've helped me in this journey in discipleship. And now we've got a, you know, a few minutes here for you to kind of pass that wisdom on to others. And uh, again, thank you guys for listening to, to the, the Legacy Discipleship Podcast. And you could check all of our information out on ourtruelegacy.com. And until then, have a great week and the Lord bless you. Amen.